Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview-style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers, and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sith Dog. Thank you for joining me. I trust you are having a good day, a good evening, a good morning, a good afternoon, whenever you are listening to this in our podcast medium. The Sizz Dog is a bit of a mess. Oh my God. Work life sucks. It's all over the shop. But you know what? I've got a roof over my head, man, so I can't complain. Uh, and the podcast is kicking goals. I've got to tell you, really enjoying putting this together for everyone to listen to each week and i've been playing a lot of covers gigs recently which has been awesome shout out to the sporting globe down there in plenty valley they've been giving sis dog a red hot go every friday night i'm back there again this friday so come on down uh so cheers to the crew down there what else uh thank you to everyone who gave me uh positive feedback and gave a, a listen to the podcast last week I was a bit hesitant to put myself out there and do an episode where I was the guest, but um, I think it was well-received. The feedback I got was great, um, and so I really appreciate appreciate that. Uh, a massive thanks to Sam Parry for guest hosting last week. Sam, you did a fantastic job, uh, so thanks again. What else is going on? Um, I got a call today on my telephone from Zach Ryder, and Kurt Hawkins today. So if you know who they are, you'd know why I was pretty excited. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. All right. This week on the podcast, I had a chat with Brett Glover. Brett and I hadn't seen each other in about 19 years, but uh, you wouldn't pick it. We had a great catch up. Brett's 21st uh, was the last time we saw each other. And it is going down in art of touring history with Sam Parry and Troy Mayle all contributing to the story behind the Millennium Falcon that was destroyed all those years ago and then put back together by yours truly. So this week, we get to hear Brett's recollection of that epic event. And we also hear about how Brett missed out on the chance to play piano with Neil Finn. So stick around for that. Art of Turing is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Turing on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app on your Android device. Um, and remember, Art of Turing is part of the A Lot of Green podcast network. And you can check out all the other awesome podcasts on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with your kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Ghostbusters, the live-action show from the 1970s, and then once they're dropped off at their piano lessons, throw Art of Touring back on. Did you hear that one, Glover? That one was for you. Now let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. Episode 43 of Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Wonka's Fizzy Lifting Drink. Do you want to be a part of the first ever testing group for Wonka's Fizzy Lifting Drink? Then come along to Wonka's Chocolate Factory this weekend. The first 200 people will get the opportunity to try Wonka's Fizzy Lifting Drink, but only if you are willing to sign the contract stating all side effects from consuming Wonka's Fizzy Lifting Drink will not be the sole responsibility of Wonka's. Wonka's Fizzy Lifting Drinks, subject to approval, arriving soon in your local candy shop near you.
Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before we get into my conversation with Brett, I'd like to play you a little bit of his music. This is a song called Waiting for the Train. Give it a listen. There we go. There's a taste of Brett Glover and his music. Now let's uh, check out my conversation with Brett and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast coming at you from the Siriani Studios in glorious Epping. It is a beautiful sunny day. And sitting across from me today is Mr. Brett Glover. How are you, Brett? Dave Siriani, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. I don't think I've actually seen you since my 21st. Really? Yeah, that I've just turned forty, so that was nineteen years ago. I'm sure I haven't. I've seen you. Yeah, I, I followed the pass outs. Yes, I've messaged you about gigs coming up. I've yes. seen uh, things you've been involved with, but as down far as, as well, yeah. But in I, person, in person, no, no, we haven't seen each other. No, not since that. that since your twenty first, my twenty first birthday party hmm. was at the Kilmany Hall. Is that where it was? Yeah, yeah, Kilmany Hall. It's currently under a threat of fire at the minute. Have you been following the fires? No, I, I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty bad, but it hasn't crossed the river into Kilmany, but uh, it's, it's like 50 hectares of pine forest is currently all been burning. They put it, um, ah. they showed a map of it and they put it on top of the map of Melbourne and yes. it stretches as far as like, oh, I'm sure I'm, I'm probably exaggerating, but it looks like Frankston to Melton sort of thing. It's a huge area. Oh my God. It's been burning since that really hot 40 degree day last Friday. Oh, I don't know how I didn't hear of this. I've probably been stuck in my podcast studio for too long and don't know what's going on in the outside hard, world. Man. Luckily, look, no lives have been lost. And from what I hear, no houses have been lost. Okay. At the it's all just been like- $10 in- million dollars worth of pine forest. <laughs> it's just up in smoke. So there'll be a paper shortage next year. Oh, gosh. How will you wipe your bottom? That's not good. No, we're going to have to make do, aren't we? Yeah, back to the forest. Have to use the leaves. Jeez. 
Well, that's full on, man. So it's still—is it being smoky here or not? Like, no, it's smoky where I've just come from today, down central Gippsland. It's been smoky there. Oh, very smoky. Yeah, every, everywhere. It's been smoking since uh, since Friday. Well, when the Black Saturday fires hit, the that was in King Lake, and that we could definitely see it and smell it from where I was here in Epping. I yeah. remember that day quite vividly. But well, even um, that was so far from us. Like, I'm I'm a good two and a half hour. Drive. Well, it took me three hours to get to you today. Yeah, and that smoke from Black Saturday, like it was night time at three o'clock in the afternoon, all the way up in Sale. Yeah, it all came that way as well. It drifted Jeez. off. It was. It was that. That was huge. Yeah, that was a huge one. It hasn't hey. been anything like that. There yeah. has been a haze and smoky, like all the cars look orange at the minute because mm. the sun comes through the smoke and it, the way it splays on the vehicles and bounces, everything just looks bright orange. It's, yeah. a, it's a weird... It's a crazy thing, Weird isn't it? thing, yeah. Far out. Nothing like Black Saturday, though. God. No, no, yeah. gosh. No, yeah, that was that was a tragedy, man. Um, I had a few people touched by that in my uh, uh, group of friends and family, and um, yeah, that was full on. But... Um, so I start off the podcast with yeah. the same question, and that is, where are you from? So where are you from? Where did you grow up? So Brett? I'm from Kilmany. You Kil- are from Kilmany. Yeah, so Kilmany is, is been between a place called Sale and Rosedale. Mm. Or if you know Tralgon, the Latrobe Valley, where your power comes from. Sure, Tralgon, yeah. Yeah, going, yeah, I'm a little bit beyond that. It was just, it's just, um, it's not even a town. Like there, there was a shop when I was a kid. There, yeah. there was a school. There was a, the hall's still there. There was a cricket club. Yeah. It's all pretty much closed now. It's uh, dairy, beef, cattle, sheep, farm and country. Yes. And, and did I, you grow up on a farm? Well, it was my uncle's farm that we, we grew, in, grew in amongst there. So my mum got a couple of acres mm. and was able to build a home there with my dad uh, before I was born. And then we were born there in this uh, Canadian cedar house on a gravel road with no neighbours. And I grew up there and went to school just down the road. So there were 12 kids in my whole, whole school. Whoa. <laughs> Prep to, uh, to six, all 12 of us. And... Uh, Used to ride my bike down the school, and that was the whole world to me, man. I, Far out. I was obsessed with drawing maps of Kilmany. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Probably because it didn't take long, and I, I was probably the best in the world at it because no one else was interested in yeah, <laughs> drawing right. a map of Kilmany. And I just did it all the time. And uh, yeah, and I, I often wonder if, if that's why I took a shining to music because what the hell else are you going to do in Kilmany? One of yeah. the things we used to do fun, I had two younger brothers. Yeah. And what we used to do is jump up and down the trampoline on a windy day with a whole heap of uh, plastic bags. Yeah. And then when we got as high as we could, we'd let go of the plastic bags and they'd just fly across the paddock and we'd run and chase them and get them back and then we'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and that was fun to me. You're going to make your own fun, mate. Man, and we, we had it was great memories. I've got such great memories yeah. of just doing stuff that you would... If I got my kids and said, hey, kids, today we're going to jump on the trampoline, throw up some plastic bags, we'll chase them. they just go, no, we're not no, doing that, Dad. Doing That's that. the worst day ever. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that. I used to ride my bike and, you know, to school, I remember the cold mornings. Yes. You know, you always hear about, you know, my grandpa going through the sleet and the snow. I swear I used to do that. It was a few Ks to ride to school on a gravel road. And when it was a real cold morning, the, uh, the the water at the sides in the channels would freeze. No way. And we used to s- just stop all the time and pick up the big bits of ice flat on the top and eat them. Yeah. And, you know, we probably... I've got a great immune system. Yeah. <laughs> I never get sick. You never know what would be floating around in that water, bro. <laughs> no. Especially in your farm areas. Yeah. My goodness. Sometimes the end of the road would flood. 
You know, yeah. it's always big now. Like, don't go into floodwaters. No one driving to floodwaters, whatever you do. Yeah. We rode our bikes through the floodwaters to get to school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was cool fun. It was a great place to live. Yeah. And I think that's probably why I got into music as well. Because I yeah. had time to to get into my own head. And sure. I wasn't distracted. Can you imagine what it would be like growing up with internet and smartphones? No. No. No, because we have that experience of everything evolving so slowly in real time. Oh, and now we've we've got a, an arcade machine in our house that can play multiple games. Yeah, we have yeah. a Nintendo. Did you have an Atari? Yeah, no, we had an. Mate, we had them all. Yeah, <laughs> Atari, Commodore sixty four, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, yeah. PlayStation, yeah. PlayStation two. Like it just kept going. I think yeah. we even one of my mates had the GameCube. I never got that. But we did have the Nintendo 64. Yeah, right. Eh? With Goldeneye on yeah. it. Oh, know? yeah. That was mad. And that came Donkey out. Kong. That was the most realistic game you'd ever seen yeah. in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, we, we used to waste Sundays playing yeah. that game with mates. And so now the kids, it's all just kind of stopped. It's either you're a PC gamer or a PlayStation 4 or yeah. Xbox gamer. It's not like they're coming out with new ones every six to 12 months, new company. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was all these different companies all seeing if they could catch, catch fire. I lost complete touch with video gaming after yeah. about 2021. 20, no, yeah. And Some then, people um, keep doing it into their 20s. Other people don't, don't and do I, it. I know from a bad dad. I've got, I've got three kids and we don't have a gaming console at my house. I've got one. one I've got two televisions now, actually. Yeah. But not a gaming console. I just, I've never been interested in them. But yeah. I did go into a Microsoft store just a couple of days ago yeah. and had a look at, uh, they had a, an Xbox, are they called 360s? I think X- like Xbox 360, yeah. yeah. And they had some, the, the new, newest FIFA soccer game sure. for 2019. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't, you know, seen one since uh, 2001. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was expecting, you know, how they moved it. And I had a go of it. And my, my mind was blown. Yeah, the, right. Just, they looked real. And you, yes. you could, when they had the um, replays and you could see the sweat gleaming off their brow. Oh, my God. And running around. And they had all these, all these expressions on their face. Like, you know, you've got 42 muscles around your mouth. Yes. Um, I, these guys had 58, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Super hyper-realistic. <laughs> they were more evolved than you and I. Yeah, that's crazy, man. They're not even real. Like, uh, uh, yeah. It, it made me want to just pull out my cash and just, I'll, buy, I'll take one. I'll, I'll take one, one now. My kids will love this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's all for my kids. <laughs> They'll never go outside again. It's all part of their learning experience. Dad, I don't want to do the plastic bag anymore. I want to play on the <laughs> Xbox, bro. What do you mean? Give me a break. Plastic bags. It was the best. Yeah. The and best. And so growing up in um, Kilmaine. Kilmaine, Kilmaine, yeah. Kilmaine. Um, did I'm, you have any brothers or sisters? Uh, two younger brothers. Yeah. So um, I, I've always been a gentle fella. Mm. I've. Uh, it's a real sporting community down my way, around Sale uh, area. Yeah. And... Uh, I, I've got a dad who's, who's a really good sportsman. He was mm. um, he was a good football player, did his knee early, and then um, he stuck with cricket all through as long as he could, and yeah. he did very well with that. And he was a great cricketer, and he's really obsessed with sport. You know, he plays golf and that now. I didn't get the bug for sport from mm. my dad. I I enjoy playing things. I play basketball. I think I've played every sport, but sure. I've never never had an obsession with it. Yeah. But I've had two younger brothers that have. Love ah. sport as well, so they've they've been fully into it. They've um, one's just finished up playing cricket. But they've they've played everything, but they've stuck with seasons of playing these games over, and really it. been into it. And, and they uh, don't play music at all. 
Uh, they they have. Yeah, they have. Yeah, we um we had a band together at one stage actually. Oh, we were right two brothers because our, our dad his nickname's Tubby. Ha. Tubby Glover. Tubby Glover. So we got an um, band together. Me and my uh, brother Jason plays the drums, and brother Hayden was on the on the bass. Yes, and. Uh, we called ourselves the Tubby Lovers. The Tubby Lovers. The Tubby Lovers, because we love Tubby. Wow. Yeah, and my brother Jace, he had his idea. He wanted to get a poster of a big um, sumo wrestler, a big female sumo wrestler who was like- This female sumo wrestler? Well, she had to be female because she'd be <laughs> giggling and just covering her mouth ever so politely, <laughs> not to show her, her, her teeth as she was- <laughs> <laughs> we never got lovers. to make that poster. I reckon it would have been great. We only made it to about three gigs, though. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So is this, like, how old were you when you were in the band with your brothers? Oh, that was, like, probably mid-twenties when we had a crack at that. Oh, okay, I was in cool. my mid-twenties anyway. Uh, younger brother Hayden, he would have only been 19. Yeah, right. And hadn't really played in a band before. And yeah. we just thought this would be a great idea. Okay. But unfortunately, me and my brother Jason, we've been in, uh, had been playing in bands since we were a lot younger than that. Right. The story goes like this. Yeah. At high school, I um, was heavily involved with the music program. Okay. And I've always been a big advocate for music, making sure kids do the music program in high school. Yeah. I've, I've just, did you do it? Did you, were you involved in your music program when you were at high school? Most definitely, yes. You were. What did you do there? Uh, I was in all of the musicals at school hmm. um, and I was in the choirs. Yep. Um, I didn't really play an instrument, so that's you didn't. That was my my thing. I, I was just yeah in the choirs and in the musicals. There you mm. go. I've always just thought I, I went through that system playing saxophone. Mm. I remember I'm zigzagging everywhere here, but I remember in primary school watching Sesame Street. Yeah, I remember they had that clip of the um, the saxophone factory. Oh yeah, <clears throat> and I had this great. I show it to kids at school all the time now. Show them that, and it does. It cheese them up to play saxophone. Wow. And um, I remember watching that, thinking I want to play that, and. I'm, Asking Mama, I want to learn saxophone. She goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to learn piano first. So that was your yeah. first instrument that you gravitated towards was the saxophone. Yeah, I remember loving that. Yes, and I remember playing the tennis racket a lot. We used to set the couches up at like a stage. <laughs> yeah. At um, well, it was no Rod Laver Arena then, so it's probably Kuyong, I guess. Right. <laughs> Do they have bands at Kuyong? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we you set it up. and We just played the tennis rackets. I was a left-handed tennis racket player. Yeah. Right. And, um, yeah, I remember got mum's guitar, which she finally got one for some reason. I think she wanted to have a crack at something. Yeah. And then um, I was trying, first of all, it was left-handed. It took a few weeks before I realised I was holding it the wrong way. Right. So then I got it the right way around. And I, was, I remember going through mum's book and, and just trying to nail these really simple sort of songs. And sure, thinking, yeah. oh, I can do this. And I just couldn't make this thing work. Yeah. And I didn't get back to a guitar till I was about 16 years old. Right. But I realised later that, that the action on that guitar was completely out. Oh. Like you had to put, you had to pull the, those strings down a good inch. Yes. <laughs> to get to you the fretboard. But I didn't understand that. I thought you had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I couldn't make, I couldn't play an A chord or anything. You couldn't you know? get it Nothing to work. Nothing would work. No. So I was really peeved off about that. But um, I, I played saxophone all through a high school. I yeah. was lucky enough that when I went to Sale High School... Did you have school, to play piano first, though? I did three years of piano when I was in primary school. Okay. I remember getting a hard time about that, and I remember it really sort of getting to me. Like people saying, oh, wearing your skirt, yeah. Piano lesson. Really? Yeah, and I was like, oh. Piano wasn't cool? It wasn't cool. No, you should, what, I should so be you've gone playing with- bloody cricket and footy, you know? Oh, so it didn't really matter what instrument it was, though. It was a very much a sporting culture. Because I'd assume, like, it's not like you're going in there playing... 
I don't want to put any of these players under the... Actually, I can't do that, can I? Because if I say a specific instrument, all those musos will cry out in terror. I don't know. I think maybe I was a bit of a soft touch too. I yeah, think, you know, oh, like, okay. Someone yeah. just said one thing and I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah, But I yeah. loved playing the piano. Okay, um, cool. No, you know, um, my nana in a... Gave us the blessing to have the like the family piano came to our our house. Yes, out of all her kids, she decided to give it to my mum. She thought she saw a bit of m- music skill in us boys, so I, I played that piano a lot. Yes, and that was fairly out of tune too. I remember learning um all the Billy Joel songs like playing on the record, mm. and then learning the songs, and then realizing also again years later that the piano was out by semitone. So I'm <laughs> oh. so instead of learning these songs in C major, everything was in B major. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and all these stupid shapes. It's taken me ages to learn these songs, which helped me later on as well. Well, that's true, yeah, because you're like learning transposing without even knowing yeah, that you're learning right. how to transpose. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. And so you mentioned that your primary school was just prep to six. So mm. where did you go to high school? To Sale High School. So okay, so Kilmany is right next to Sale. Yes, Sale was like the metropolis. Yes, and uh, Kilmany was my whole world. But uh, when I went to yeah, there they had just started a music program there. Ah, I went there in 1990, and in 1989, a lady called Sally Ann Barclay, she just come out of uh, Teachers College here in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, got shipped to Sale. Never been, really been down there before from mm. city girl going to the country. Whoa. And uh, they took it to a couple of science rooms. There was a tiny little cupboard between the science rooms that had an old piano. And they said, "Here's your music department." <laughs> Oh my god! Good luck. Good luck. So that was 1989, and she had uh, she was heavily backed uh, by the uh, leadership group of that school at the time. They were saying yeah. they really wanted to have this music. fantastic music program. Look, let's do it. Let's spend money on it. Yeah, um, we'll give you all the backing you need. So I was wow. lucky enough to start school in year seven, the in 1990, the year after that. <clears throat> so at its, at its inception, when you know everyone was fresh and this was brand new for the school, and yeah. everyone's just hyped about playing. On trumpets and saxophones and flutes and whatnot, and having concert bands and and big bands. Wow! And so it was, it just blew it was up. huge. Yeah, and I I was just obsessed. I'll never forget being year seven and going in to the room with all the other year sevens who had just started instruments. Yes, and uh, Miss Barclay counting us all in, and we're all playing. <laughs> <laughs> And it would have been like, yes. And I just thought this was the most amazing sound yes. I've ever heard in my life. Oh, man, I can't get enough of this. Wow. I'm so glad I wasn't exposed to much at Kilmany. I think yeah. that helped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My enthusiasm for it was was through the roof, and I wow. I couldn't get enough of that uh, that sound and, and playing with other people. Yeah, and just just loved it. Yeah. And I, so you had a saxophone teacher then as well. Hmm. They came and went, my saxophone teachers. I don't think it was anything to do with me. It was just, it was the start of the music program, so we were trying to get instrumental teachers who were going to yeah. go the distance, but there were, there were a lot that were coming and going. So right. I, I went through several sax teachers, sax teachers just- from year seven to, to 12. I didn't really get an oh. opportunity to really bond with any of my... Sax, sax teachers. teachers tell the truth. Well, I guess, yeah, because yeah, it's so far away, unless they're from Sale, they would they'd be like, okay, I've done one year here, I'm off yeah, now. Yeah, Guys, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Far out. Um, and you mentioned you were in all of the school bands, like the um, you know the jazz band, the the senior brass ensemble yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, did you play any um, music outside of school j- while you were at school, or was it all just like through yeah. the music department? From a really young age, I actually got involved with a, a jazz group. We called ourselves Shake It on Your Chops. 
Shake it on your chops. Yeah, shake it on your chops. Uh, there was a guy called Craig Fullerton who was use, uh, teaching at the music program at the at the grammar school in Sale. Yes. And he got a whole heap of uh, music enthusiasts in our area together to make this jazz band uh, mm. and got to travel a bit with that band. It was it was my first like paid gig. Yeah. I was um I did a gig with a guy called Craig Fullerton or not did I I stepped in they were doing a gig and I just took the microphone did a couple of songs. Yeah. But I said to Craig you know, I did my first ever paid gig with you. It was back in 1992 at a wedding at the Armadale and Sale. And I remember you got paid 120 bucks and I got 20. Ah. Oh. Because, <laughs> you know, I was a young buck. Fair enough. Yeah. First gig I ever did. And I've uh, got to do a lot of things like that. You, know, 20 you were playing saxophone. Saxophone, yeah. Yeah, it was sax, it was trumpet and trombone. It was like a little jazz combo. Yeah, right. And started playing around got a, and got a taste for like... The gig life? Yes. Just, um, yeah, going and, and performing and and uh, then getting paid for it at the end, which I was never expecting. So how did this character approach you guys at school? Because you said he wasn't a teacher at the school. So he was new to the area too, and he was friends with Sally Ann Barclay, who was just star of the music program. Oh, okay. I feel like the, the, the music program thing was, was fairly new at that stage. Yeah. To yeah. our area, at least it was. Right, yeah, yeah. So um, it'd been already successful in you know, your Blackburn highs and all this stuff, where Sally Ann went to school as well. Okay. So they were bringing a bit of that. Down Vine. into our area. Into sale. Oh, there you thank go. God I was there because it got me through high school, that stuff. Yeah, right. I tried to join the footy team. I was hopeless. Yeah, without yeah. music, you would have been sucked. <laughs> right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, look, I can empathise, man. I mean, I, I played one game of AFL football in grade six and I couldn't do it. I, yeah, right. I, whenever the ball got kicked near me, I just hoped someone else marked it so I could just kind of maybe, you know, pass it off or something. I remember dad at the sidelines yelling out, Stop kicking the grass. Stop so kicking a, the grass. Yeah, it was a freshly mowed. Um, ground and I just kept kicking the grass you know I thought it was great <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know what was yeah. going on and I talked me, me opponent into doing it as well then his dad would be yelling at him <laughs> yeah was, stop, uh, kicking, <laughs> stop <laughs> kicking the grass look for yeah. the ball you oh, marked oh, man I marked I remember, I, yeah this was under 11s I marked the ball once yeah once I've never you know you were excited about it I was so excited and then um, so I got a kick yeah but I did an airy and yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just put it up and just sunk the boot to the side, completely missed the ball. Oh my god! So they've all run in for the tackle. The umpire stopped the game. No, no, give him another go. Oh bless! All so, right, so I got another go, and that wasn't a good kick either. But at <laughs> it least went... it got on the boot. <laughs> I think it did. Jeez! I don't think it went up in the air though. Fantastic. No, that was the, that was. The, and I and we made the grand final that year actually. With you in the yeah. team. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? Unbelievable. But you tucked me away in the back pocket. But at the end of the game, it was a draw. So we went to overtime. Oh, no shit. And for some reason in overtime, I was on the ground. Fantastic. And the only score for that overtime... everyone else was stuffed from playing the game. I'd better put fresh legs in. Yeah, that's right, old fresh legs. He, just, he doesn't even kick any grass this game. Like, he'll be fresh. So I went in the back pocket and I had the ball in my hand and they were running at me and I just ran over the line to rush behind. Yeah, yeah. Thinking that was the smart thing to do. Sure. That was the only score for overtime. So we lost by point. Oh, <laughs> and, he, and I remember this other kid coming up to me and goes, he said, don't come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. No, you got you had your fill of AFL. You were I done. I did. 
You were cooked. I had another crack later in life, but yeah, right. But, uh, no, I, so music called <laughs> music. To you. Sorry, yeah, music called to you. Music was the thing that got yeah. me through high school. That's and good, man. There was a guy called Ashley Fife, mm-hmm. uh, who I, when I got to year eight, he came in year seven, and this kid, he could play like Thunderstruck perfectly. And he had a Fender Strat, yeah. and a cool Marshall rig, yeah, and. Actually, he didn't know he had a Fender rig, I think, at the time. A Strat Pack. Yeah, it had a Strat Pack. He must have. Yeah, man. And uh, he was a little short fella. I'd already played some tennis with him. He was a really good tennis player. But he played guitar unbelievably. Yeah. Like, I just was so excited by this guy. So, he was in the music program with me. We did a lot of jazz stuff together. He was on Shake, he was in Shake It On His Chops as well. But then we got old enough to, the, to when we... Um, you know, when all the grunge stuff hit in the early 90s. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we got this idea of, oh, maybe we should be playing rock music, you know. This is really, people seem to be interested in this. Yeah. And then Triple J went national. Right. And then all of a sudden, there are opportunities for, if you go and do a recording, you might get played on the radio. Mm. Nationally. Mm. And then um, that's when Recovery came out and all that. It was huge. Yeah, it was a bit of a boom in the early 90s of all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I'm biased. Like, I always I always say, oh, I think that was the best... Uh, time for music. Time for music ever. And then um, I said it to some mates the other day, and they said, well, everyone's got a biased opinion to that. But I think you could say that that early 90s uh, segment was the last of the great eras Mm. of music. Yeah, look, I mean, you had, like, Coldplay in the late 90s, early noughties. Yeah. And they were pretty big and influenced, you know, like, they were, as far as super groups go. Yeah. You know, and Green Day then, you know, when American Idiot came out, like, they were a big band already in the 90s. But after that, they became, like, arena-selling artists. Um, Sorry. Yeah, because it's... Right they were. Yeah, they, no, stadium selling Yeah, artists. man. They, they played at um, Etihad. Etihad Stadium. Yeah. yeah Guy yeah. from Rosedale, a drummer from Rosedale, was at the, that uh, concert and he got pulled up on the stage and played drums with them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You always hear those stories and thinking, oh, I wonder who that was. Well, that was a guy. That was a guy that Shannon, you know. From, Shannon. From Rosedale. Yeah. He got pulled up on the stage and he played... Um, what was that song? Well, that's Good nice. Riddance. Good riddance. Yeah. Nice. It's nice to know because sometimes you think, is that a plant? Like, is that just that kid? Because you know Dave Grohl yeah, does oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Grohl always has some virtuoso eight-year-old kid get up <laughs> and bloody play guitar to, you know, perfectly. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, sh- there's no way this kid is just sitting there waiting to be called up on stage. Yeah. Because how many times would that actually happen? Yeah, you know, no, wouldn't they? No, are, they are definitely planted. They're definitely planted. <laughs> yeah, but old mate from Rosedale, he was not a plant. He got up and played good riddance, and he destroyed it. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a pretty simple beat. <laughs> I wonder when he when they go to the front though and just say, "Hey, anyone here a drummer?" Yes, everyone would put their hands up, wouldn't right? they? Yeah, you know, I've never hit, seen a drum kit. I'm going to put my hand up because I might get on the, the stage here. Yeah, yeah, man, I'd. I'd I don't think I'd ever. I've, okay, I don't think I would get on the stage. I know I wouldn't because no. I went and saw Neil Finn a couple of years ago. Neil Finn is my godfather of of music. Sure, I, I've, that's I've grew up uh, listening to all his stuff, and I can't get enough of him. Never met him, and if I did, I'd I'd be a bit of a mess. I'd be a mess. Yeah. So at his concert, he was on the piano. He was tinkling around, and he goes. Now, uh, does anyone here know to play p- piano? Would anyone here like to get up on stage and play piano with me? Uh, and I just went still thinking, 
there's, you know, time stands still. Yes. And I'm just thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to get my hand up in time. Everyone's going to get their hand up. Sure. Everyone's going to want to do this. Yeah, yeah. No one put their hand up. <gasps> and it's just dead silence. And then he goes, well, is there anyone who'd like to do it? And again, I'm just sitting there. And eventually this guy at the side, just when I'm just about nearly there, and I've nearly got the courage to put my hand up, this guy at the side goes, oh, yeah, I'll have a go. Oh. So he gets him up. Yes. And then he goes, have you ever played piano before? And he goes, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> he goes, oh, well, do you know where a C is? He goes, no. Nah. Oh, shit. He goes, oh, well, that one there, that's a C. Him, just keep pressing that one. <laughs> just keep pressing that one. <laughs> so we played this whole song with this guy and everyone cheered him and I'm like, I love that song. I would have done all the turnarounds and everything. Oh, oh my really? God. Why did I just put your hand, hand up? up? I didn't. Oh, dude. And I swore to myself, if I ever get the chance, I would put my hand up. Anytime. Yeah, next time you'll do it. I will definitely do it. I don't reckon I'll see him again though, you know? Oh man. <laughs> Far out, bro. Yeah, what a what an opportunity. What a wasted life. opportunity. You know what they always say, you know, opportunities don't come up often, but when they do, you've got to be ready for them. That's right. They was, do I say that. And I was ready and I didn't take you it. Hesitated. <laughs> I hesitated big time. <laughs> oh, that's all right, mate. Look, I mean if you had have if you had gotten up there, I don't think it would have been as good a story. No. It's a better story because now you got to see this Muppet get up there and just play <laughs> one note. Oh man, and they applauded him like yes. he conquered the stage. Yes. And he he was better than Neil. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then after that that show, you got on Facebook and the event page. Yeah. That guy was on there. Yeah. Like everyone's talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> like he's gonna be the next superstar. <laughs> you can play a C, you should see him. He's mental. It's, it's all tongue in cheek, of course. I'm not, I love <laughs> not it. having a back. Not ribbing the guy. Good no, on him. Good on him. Yeah, he got his hand up, bro. Hey, bastard. Oh, there you go. And so um, <laughs> you're playing saxophone in high school. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, you're uh, playing bands outside of school as well. Yes. And then what do you do after school when you leave school? Where What happens next in the yes. story of Brett Glover? Well, <laughs> I um, went to see my guidance counsellor. Mm. And he said, yep, yep, you should. Uh, <laughs> he said, um, what are you interested in? And I said, oh, I'm interested in Lego. <laughs> You're 12, you know, I'm 17, I'm interested in Lego. So he goes, yeah, yeah, all right, you should be a, you should be a builder or an architect or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. okay, great. So I start looking at architect courses and this is what I'm going to do. So I finish year 12. The best subject I had all through high school was music. Yeah. But I just thought, no, there's no career in this, though. No one does music for a living. Sure, yeah. I'll do it for fun whenever yeah. I get a chance. So I went to RMIT and started a construction management course. Yes. And um, uh, I moved from Kilmaney to Carlton. Whoa. So, you know, I went from plastic bags to, oh, well, there's still lots of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, you know, I was just claustrophobic. I, yeah, I was a no scared shitless space. kid. I was only yeah. 17 at the time. I, I turned 18 after I went to uni. Whoa. And I'm uh, doing this course in RMIT and just... Just shit myself and didn't have the confidence to Did you ask have a for help. A roommate or? Yeah, I had a roommate, uh, Ravi Batnagar, who was an um, Indian heritage fellow from ca- Canada. Yes. And uh, he was fantastic. Is this like student housing kind of thing in uh, It was, a, yeah, college. Ah. So I got put into a room with Ravi. Man, he's a great guy. I, he's another guy I, I haven't seen since I was 18. Yes. But. Um, we keep in contact through, you know, social media and all that stuff, and see what he's doing with his life. And yeah. I'd love to see him again. But yeah, he was fantastic. But I just didn't know what I was doing with my course. Mm. I didn't know how to like do a study regime, and 
there was no internet then either, so you yeah. couldn't just do stuff at home. You had to be actually there. be there and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was struggling. I just struggled. So after a couple of months, probably the first semester, I got out. Yes. And um, in between all that too, I was actually had this band and it was the guys were back home. Mm. So I was going home every weekend and, and playing and right. And thinking that, that was I was putting all my focus in that and we were recording and putting it into Triple J and all this other stuff. And okay, that's all that I wanted called, to be doing. One. Uh, we were called Mixed Nuts. Mixed Nuts. Yeah, we were on our way to a gig one day. First gig we ever had. What are we going to call ourselves? Oh, Mixed Nuts. Okay, we'll think of something better later. Just like every band. Yes. Right? <laughs> think of something better later. You never did. Never did. So, so we were Mixed Nuts for seven years. The first gig we went to... Uh, the bass player didn't turn up, <laughs> so I was playing keyboards and uh, singing. Yes, and uh, the fifey on the guitar said, "All right, here we go. This is the bass. This is a G. This is a C. This is a D, and an E and an A. Yeah, work out the rest from there. Let's go. Yeah, we started <laughs> first gig ever. Yes, and I'm on an instrument I had never played before." On a bass guitar? I wasn't playing on the bass guitar. Oh. And I'd never played one You before. were meant to be playing the keyboard. I was meant to be playing keyboard. Oh, but crap. the bass player never came. So so that that's it. I was in that band. We were three-piece for seven years. Did uh, he come back at all during the seven years? Or was he at the next gig? Or the just, bass player? No, yeah. he never did a gig with us. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was the first of a gig he didn't come, and that was it. We and did so seven years you, without him. You played seven years on the bass? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. I improved. I learned other notes. <laughs> B. <laughs> F was good. You like the F? Yes. C sharp. You ever play that one? That's a that, beauty. That's you know, a full on. You could lose a finger playing that <laughs> bloody note on the bass. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. I, I really liked playing them. I, I played it nonstop though. Like yeah, when yeah. I should have been at uni, I was I was in Maroon just playing bass and learning it over and over and over again. I was really obsessed with it. Huh. Um, we did seven years. My brother Jason, who's two years younger than me, he was on the drums. Yes. And um, I don't know if it was a competitive thing or I think maybe. Um, I was a bit uptight and a pain in the ass because I was yeah. I wasn't ever calm. Every time we had to do a PA or organise a gig, I was I was sort of management side of the band, right? And I wasn't confident, so with talking to people, I was always full of anxiety. Yeah. And my brother Jason didn't have care in the world. You know, he was he was playing footy with the lads, and yeah, um, he'd just rock up and, and play his drums, and he couldn't understand why I was so stressed. anxious and stressed all the time. So you and played bass and, and sung. Yeah, yeah. And who wrote the music? Uh, I think I, I probably wrote most of the music we yes. played. We played, Mixed Nuts was really a cover band. Oh, okay. But we were, I was always writing and we we're always trying stuff out. And yeah. it's funny, the songs that were in my head never came out <laughs> sounding like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, funny that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You have any hint like, oh, this is what you do and you do it. sounds great. Yeah. And then you go pick up the guitar and like, oh, this is not what it sounds like in no, my head. Why not? Yeah, what's going on there? And then you have to like explain to my brother Jason, who's already hating on me for being anxious, and <laughs> and saying this is how the drums go. Then I'd get on the drums and show him how it goes. So he just walk off to the kitchen and cool down because he's pissed off right yeah. now that I'm on the drums. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm the drummer. Let me play the drums. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm like even Fifey, who is just a phenomenal guitarist, yes. and I'm just learnt C sharp, and I'm trying to tell him how to. Do a riff. Yeah, So he's right. getting pissed off too. But yeah. I'm trying to get what's in my head out, out to those guys and it's hard to use words. Yeah, sometimes it's like all you want to show them how it's done and it's not, not translating. No. It's and tough. It, it, it's the hardest thing when you've got, and I wouldn't even say we were egos or anything. There was no mm. egos. No one was up themselves in, in the band. 
But when you're just in the creative mode and you're really all intensely into it, yeah, you don't want anyone stepping on your toes. You want to. It's like you've all got your own paintbrush and you want to do. You want to do your colouring in. If I could turn back time, I would do things way differently. Yes, I would come in with a very bone idea and yeah. let them come up with whatever jam they want. Out. Yeah, and jam it out. Yeah, and yeah. I never did that. I came in with a very specific idea. I knew how all the parts went. Right, and I'd come in telling them how to do their parts, and it, and it was silly work. because it was then they were trying to play something that was coming out of my mind, but they probably didn't even like it. It, it was it, they were probably thinking, "Is this well, I might as well be in a cover band because yeah. I'm playing something exactly like this bloke yeah, wants me to play." Exactly, yeah, yeah, you're not getting sucks. that uh, creative license. So, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would turn back time and I would do things differently. Yeah, but at that, uh, I went to Port Douglas and I washed dishes. For a few months. Oh, so you left uni? I left uni and I took off to Port Douglas, you know, yeah. just thinking, I'm getting away, I'm going to live in paradise. Yeah. You can all get screwed. So I went up there and then I was I was panic mode. Yeah. I was up there, I didn't have a job, then I finally got a job washing dishes. It was a horrible job. Yeah. And um, that's that was 20 years ago and I have never been to Port Douglas. I've had a lot of opportunities to go there and I've always said, no, I don't want to go there. I went there. It was a horrible, horrible time yeah. where I just pined for getting home and I was wasting time up there when I had all this... I was just, you know, just had a band together, just got into playing. I don't think I even had an instrument up there to play. Right. I was playing on freaking Cakewalk on the computer. Yes. Listen to a lot of Rage Against the Machine, then programming into Cakewalk. Huh. <laughs> it's just not the same, you know? No, that doesn't really work. <laughs> well, I thought it was cool. And um, then um, I'm, I'm going there ne- next week to Port Douglas to make peace with Port Douglas. Is that right? Yeah. I've been on a bit of a spiritual journey about the last five years. Yes. I've been uh, going back to all these places I had problems with. I went back to RMIT, was one of the first places I went back to. Wow. I just walked around and looked at the kiosk where James Heard used to push in and get his chips in front of everyone else. Huh. Prick. And then... Because he was doing building construction He as was well. doing some other course, but he never lined up, that guy. Huh. He always went straight to the front. Hurdy, what are you doing, mate? Mate. I know he's listening. <laughs> and he knows what he did. He knows what he did. Wedges and sour cream were very popular. Though. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that was his go-to front. order, and he would just push in. Straight at the front. And there's a big right. line. Yeah. Anyway, I've made peace with that now. <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't think you have, mate. Clearly. <laughs> You're stitching him up on the art of touring. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I've used your platform for that. Anyway, we're done. Thanks. Thanks, Hurdy. <laughs> been making peace with all these places. Yeah, I think right I, on. I've been, I've been anxious for so long. Yeah. And music was my way of pretending I wasn't anxious. Being up on a stage yeah. and... Early days, there was there was a pub in Sale called the Gippy Hotel. It's still there. And Wednesday nights were huge. Uh, we used to play in there, and it would be packed. It, the, the bar was about the size of your studio. Actually, it was right. re- really small. Small, but, yeah. But it took you fifteen minutes to walk across the rooms. So it was that packed. Yes. And we learn our chops there. And when I talk about my chops, because I'm. I'll never rate myself as a great player. It's taken me years before I'd even call myself a musician. But I used to always have my head down. Mm. I was just having. I couldn't. I couldn't look at people. I look up and I was just petrified of everybody. And I used to bring a music stand that had no lyrics on it. <sighs> just looked at the music stand, pretending I was reading lyrics. Really? And it was a. It was like bungee jumping. Like you had to go for it. I'd put my head up and I'd look at everyone. 
and I'd do it for as long as I can as if I'm holding my breath underwater or something. And then I'd put my head straight back down again. I just couldn't look at them. Oh, my God. It took me ages to get my performing chops. Yes. Being comfortable with people looking at you. Yes. And being comfortable so then they can be comfortable too. Because there's nothing worse than watching someone perform and then they're a nervous wreck. No, yeah, that's It not makes fun. everyone uncomfortable. Yeah. And I really wanted to do that because yeah. I'd seen people do that. Just, com- just comfortable in their own skin and, yeah. and then you're able to perform a lot better. I've seen people do that so well. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be a great musician to be a performer. No, no that's not what, at all. That's, that's the, the front person's job really, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. To make it. everyone feel at ease and just perform. Mm. And it's, oh man, it took me ages to be to be confident enough. Yeah. Just to do stuff. And now I, I, I'm a teacher now, so I'm always talking to kids about that performance anxiety stuff. Yeah. And things you can do. And do you ever get over it? No, you never get over it. I'm, I'm nervous before every gig. Wow. And I, I don't know how many times I've played now in yeah. all sorts of different outfits sure well talking about that um you 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 in port douglas and then you said you came back did you go back up to um sail then no so what i did i I came back home and then i signed up for uh uh, music performance at la trobe uni oh right and that's where you met sam Sam Parry. Parry. yeah there we go Uh, and uh yeah, again, I, went, I remember going there and meeting all these guys, and they were all great musos. Yes. And um, I started playing my sax in a big band and met them all, but I just always felt like I was just out of my league. Yeah. But I just loved their company. Mm. I really, they were, they were just similar sorts of people. Yeah. Fun loving, not good at sport. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, loved, loved nothing more than to, to joke. And yeah. talk about pop culture stuff. Yeah, man. You know? And I, I, I just sort of really found my niche with that, with that group. Mm. And then um, started feeling like it was okay to be myself. So much so that you invited a bunch of musos that you'd met to mm. play at your 21st birthday party. Yeah. Up in... Um, including yourself. So including, how's this? This is all these years later. This is 19 yeah. years later. Yeah. So it would have been 20 years ago we had that band going. Mm. And we started a band, a funk band. We were playing at the... At the, the the Eagle Bar, what was that band called? We had a, a funk, we yeah. had a horn line, a horn section. I was in that. You were the front man singing. Yeah, we had the doo wop girls. Huh. I remember we did gigs at um, uh, the Magnetic Flip. Was that was that with that oh, outfit? Man, I don't know. I'm starting to forget stuff too. Was we about, was we come to your house and rehearse. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah, we did stuff like uh, suck on my chocolate salty balls. Stick them in your mouth and suck them. Yeah. Yeah. That that South Park song, Isaac Hayes or whatever. Yeah. And we did a bunch of James Brown tunes as well. Yeah. I think we did some Blues Brothers even. Uh, Possibly. I don't reckon we did. Like everybody needs somebody. Pick up the pieces we did. uh, Okay. Everybody needs somebody. Maybe we did. I I can't remember doing that. We filled out the set with something. Yeah, (laughs) stuff. And so we, you guys all came to my twenty first to play. Yes, and we had a great time in the Kilmany Hall, which is a reverberant nightmare. I've got a gig there next month, and I'm. It's the hall I grew up in, and it was the first time when I when I got five and my brothers together with bands like let's go to the Kilmany Hall, yes. and do a rehearsal. They got a stage there, you know. We pretend we're we're rock stars, yeah. And we played the first note, which I think was a C sharp. Went, <laughs> if you go to the hall today, you can still slightly hear <laughs> that note. <laughs> 
still being played. It's just still going. Because my memory of that hole is very different. Obviously, yeah. we're playing this show, and then um, a bloke called uh, uh, Kinney gets up to do the 21st speech, yeah. and he gets this out. Oh, no! <laughs> he gets so this Millennium Falcon. looking at that. Right, out. Yeah. And he's, he's glued it together. Yeah. And I don't think you did any painting. I think you would I did hopelessly the, did some I painting. Did painting. I'm glad you noticed the painting. It was really bad. Hey, yeah. you're missing the sides. Yeah, he didn't dude. get all the bits. Because well, he, he smashed it yeah, up. Yeah, he did. Some of it was completely <laughs> not fixable. So, will you tell the story, mate. Yeah. What, what the hell was he thinking? Why did he do this? So, Troy Kenny, I went to Sale High School with. Okay. And we moved to Melbourne together. He came to Carlton College with me. And then I took off on him up to um, Port Douglas. And I came back and then we moved to Collingwood together. And we lived in a flat there right. for a couple of years. And that's when I had my 21st. And I think at that stage, it was just before my 21st, I actually moved out of that flat and yeah. moved in with some other mates closer to uni. Right. And so by the time my 21st came around at the end of March, I probably hadn't had much to do with those guys that I went to school with anymore because I just yeah. found this new niche of friends at, at yeah. uni. Um, these guys were on the basketball big time, you know, and I was... I had two left arms, and then they were into going to nightclubs. You know, go to the Chevron and all this stuff down a, uh, before the casino was built. Those nightclubs that were down on the next to Flinders Street Station. Oh yeah, what was yeah, that yeah. one called? Oh, I can't remember. Like Chasers or some yeah, shit. Yeah, all that sort. Of, they were into going to that, and I, I used to try and join in, and I hated it. I hated the music. I hated the culture. Yeah, <laughs> just, right. Just couldn't stand it. Anyway, I moved out of that flat, and when my twenty first came around, uh, Troy and mates. From high school, they came and they did this speech playing Jeopardy. Really clever. Troy's always been, he's an awesome writer. Yes. And he was always the funniest guy in your class. And um, he had the same anxieties that I had actually growing up. We were both pretty nervous, shy fellas. Yes. But when he was in here amongst his mates, he was the king of comedy. Mm. And I'm I'm so glad I'm watching him now. Mm. It's taken all these years and he started really hitting the circuit probably when he was about 30. Yeah, right. And um, it's, it's gone gangbusters because he's hilarious. But at the end of that speech, he took out of a bag and it was the Millennium Falcon that I'd left at the flat. I hadn't taken it. I reckon he must have hidden it away though. In Collingwood. So yeah. you bought it, not as a kid. You no. bought it You bought it as a- I had 50 bucks in my bank account and I went to, there was a, a model making place down yeah. there in the city across yeah. from Daimaru. And that was there. And I'd been looking at it for a year and I've gone, I'm buying this. I need to do it. Because right. I was spending a lot of time in my flat at that stage just playing musical instruments, play the piano a lot, played the bass a lot, playing guitar now a lot. Yeah. And I just wanted to sit there and make something and give me something to do because, you know, there's no internet. So I <laughs> sat there making that thing for a long time yeah. and then went and got some paint. Yes. As you can see, and gave it the worst paint job ever. I, remember, I put those three red bits on that you can see up there. Yeah, there's a red part there as well. Yeah. And what what is kind of cool is you did at least, you've, you would have had to have masked these parts around here because yeah. it's a pretty good job. Yeah, thanks, mate. But, but, what, <laughs> but what is interesting, at one point, I think, during the paint job, you're like, I'm going to try a little bit of weathering. Yeah. So I'll get the paintbrush yes. and just kind of randomly- Give us a look, give us a look. Like, can I- <laughs> So you're like, oh, you know how the Millennium Falcon looks all beat up? I'll, I'll try to do a little bit of weathering, but I don't... That's not weathering, man. That that looks like finger painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from kindergarten. That's, yeah. You know what? I remember doing... I couldn't wait to see this today. Yes. Because I can remember doing it. 
And don't worry, I'm giving it back. No, no. <laughs> I was so. I was like, you better give that back to me. Yeah. And, no, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, he gets, he when gets it out of the bag and tell me what happens next. Well, he says, he just says, is this yours, mate? Is this yours? And I went, yeah. And I'm trying to be cool, you know, because I want to be a cool guy. And uh, he just threw it on the ground and it went smash. Yeah. And then he um, did, got the people's elbow. Yes. <laughs> wrestling move and went down on the ground and elbowed it even further into the floorboards. Yeah. You can, and you can still see the, the crack that he made in the top of it uh, right yeah, there from, yeah. from that people's elbow. So I'm sitting there in this chair and I'm, I'm, I looked away because inside I was devastated. he's <laughs> But I tried to remain calm. But I remember you were sitting at the front on the ground. You were sitting there. Yes. And you, the look on your face was just, I'll never forget that. That's how, whenever anyone mentions Dave Sirianni, yeah. I go, yeah, the guy that goes, I wish I could do it on radio, man, but I'm going to do it anyway. You, you're just going... <laughs> like that. We'll have to pull that face when we and take the photo yeah. for the promo. <laughs> and you dove, you dove forward. Did I really? And you started scooping up all the pieces. Yes. And of course, a few friends of mine were looking at me going, what's that guy doing? And going, just <laughs> let him do it. And then um, Sam said, oh, da- he'll fix it up. He'll love it. He'll, he'll look after that. Yes. And then I yeah, heard, I heard years later that yes. yeah, there's this guy, Dave Sirianni, he's heavily involved with um, the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Were, you, were you head of the fan club at one stage? No, no. I've never been head of any fan club. No. Um, but for, for my 21st, because yeah. this would have been two years later, yeah. I got in contact with the fan club because uh, I, I wanted to have a um, science fiction party and I wanted, a, a, I wanted to actually put on a Stormtrooper costume yeah. for my 21st because <laughs> I think... Like a year or two before, they'd released, you know, Star Wars back into the cinemas in 1997. Yeah. And then at the very end of the run, they, they at Melbourne University, and actually RMIT University in the city, um, they, they booked out the theatre and they were playing all three movies back to back. Oh, yeah. It was like in the afternoon and it finished, you know, in the night time at some point. I'm like, oh, I've got to go to this. Mm. And so I went to it and then I look over in the corner and there's this sand trooper just walking down the aisle as the sand troopers are, you know, appearing for the first time on the screen. Yeah. And I'm like, where did he get that from? Yeah. What's that? And so I always kept that in my mind. And then someone told me, oh, that's the fan club. That's a guy from the fan club. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to get into this. Yeah, right. So, you know, um, fast forward to my 21st and I, I, I approached the guys in the fan club. I'm like, hey, I'll pay you whatever it costs. I want to wear a Stormtrooper costume to my 21st. It's going to be a Star Wars party. Yeah. You know, science fiction, whatever. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't work like that, Dave. <laughs> These guys spend a lot of money, a lot of time in their costumes. They will appear at your party for a fee, yeah. but you're not getting to wear it. No. Don't get, don't be crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's fine. That's great. Show up. I'll pay you what it, you know. So I paid them a couple hundred bucks, yeah. you know, fed them, whatever. And they're, they're still friends of mine to this day. Oh, that's cool. A guy called Chris... Um, Brennan and Dave Hankin. Yeah. Uh, they were the two guys that came. Chris um, was Darth Vader. Yeah. And Dave Hankin um, was the Stormtrooper. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, still still good friends of mine. And and um, and so that that was my twenty uh, first. They must have paid a mint for those suits. I remember walking up down Burke Street. There was a shop there that had all that memorabilia, and you could get a full Stormtrooper suit. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen ninety six. It was. 300 bucks, I think, maybe something like that. It was yeah, almost ex- affordable. Yeah, yeah. And pretty I, expensive. I used to think about it. Like, I, I had no money, you know? No. Well, these guys made their own. They vacuum formed 
their own costumes. This was before the internet and someone had figured out like exactly what parts were what for every oh. single costume in the you know Star Wars universe. But um, Dave Hankin, they actually vacuum formed like their own. And so it was as green accurate as they could get it. Wow. But they, yeah, they were that passionate about it. They were like, I want to be a stormtrooper. And Dave also has a Bob, <laughs> Boba Fett as well that he made himself. Oh, wow. And he was just like the king of like figuring out like what he yeah. could – you know, find in the garage to, yep. to, to make it look like the, the right thing. So there you go. And so Kenny smashes up this thing. I'm yep. heartbroken. You're, yeah. you're witnessing this. Yeah. And, um, and there you go. 20 years later, it's one of my favorite collectibles. I'm so glad you have that because that yeah. would have just ended up in the bin. It would have been in the bin. But you fix it and you've looked after it and there it is. It's cool. And, and I'm so I- sorry I try to give it the weathered look. No, no. <laughs> no, I would never. All I literally did was just get all of the pieces and just glue it back together because yeah. I wanted it as that kind of memory. And it's a very cool memory, man. So um, it's come full circle there. And so, yeah, so you, 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 we play your 21st. Yeah. And then tell me a little bit about, um, you know, your, your experience after that because now, um, you, yeah, well, you have kind of mentioned a lot of the, the acts that you, you, you work with. You had Mixed Nuts and, yeah. um, and all the rest of them. Um, there was a band called Sultanas as well. Yeah, so that you played I'm, with, I'm, with I'm, Sam I'm for in the Sultanas now. Yeah. So um, the Sultanas have been playing for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's made up of all the um, music teachers in my area. Right. Um, except for Louis, the bass player. He, he works in an oil rig. So he, he can't afford to be a teacher. He's got a lifestyle to uphold. Yeah. And um, we just wanted actually wanted to have the band that I played in you with. That, that's what it was. I just wanted, that funk band. I wanted that funk band. I, I reckon for years leading up to it, I was always writing out the horn parts, thinking I'll get a band together playing this stuff. And you know, I wrote simultaneous out. Yeah. You and me. <laughs> And her simultaneous. I remember that. Yeah, that so was another one. That was that one of the first did. songs we played. Yeah. And and um, I I got the band together. Um, uh, Paul Van Ecklin, who was the drum teacher when I was in high school. Yeah. I really wanted to be in a band with him. We were actually drunk one night, and he he said, "If you ever want to start a band, I'll be in your band." <laughs> so I said, "Done." I think it was about two weeks later we we started this band up. Uh, Anthony Rickard, a guitar teacher from Sale, uh, he's a phenomenal player. Yeah. Uh, Louis Capari, who, who I played in another band called The Uncles ah. uh, with Louis, and I was Uncle Brett, and he was Uncle Louis, mm. and then he got with my auntie, so now he is my uncle. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> so he is Uncle Louis. And uh, Ly- oh, Lionel Bailey, now you you taught at a school with Lionel Bailey. Huh. Because it was when we first got this band together, he was also teaching in a school in Melbourne that you must have been teaching at. Right. And I don't even know how you came up in conversation, but he's gone, Dave Sirani, yeah, I know that guy. Really? He's got the long-haired uh, rock guy in the pass-outs. Maybe I was talking about the pass-outs or something. That's insane. And uh, you, you said you were, you were always playing in the school bands and you were always the front man. Yes. <laughs> It was you. That yeah. was me. So did he go to St. Monica's College? Was he a teacher at St. Uh, Monica's College? He was teaching College? sax, woodwind. Yeah, mate. Mr. I don't Bailey. Know. I don't know what school it was at. Mr. Um, Bailey. Glass, wears glasses, uh, fit looking guy. Huh. Uh, marathon fit looking guy. Not, right. her, not Hercules fit looking I'll guy. I'll have to ask the music teachers that were there when I first started because I may not remember him because we've had a big turnover of, of instrumental teachers. Yeah, right. Um, but... Um, Mr. Bailey, it doesn't ring a bell because the only other school I taught at before that was uh, Staunton College in Melton. Okay. Um, and they didn't have any, um, they had a rock guitar teacher, but that was it. And, and okay. a singing teacher, and that was me. 
Well, Lionel, he ended up down in Sale and he's taught for a couple of years. Now he's back. He's in the Dandenongs. Yeah. But he still plays in the Sultanas. He always travels down. There you Actually, go. our first night as the Sultanas, he met who is now his wife. So that's probably why oh, wow. he comes back as well. So that, what a lovely That's kind of cool. They thing, got married yeah. last year, just last year, after nine years. That was the start of the 10th year of the Sultanas, and we the first gig that year was at his, his wedding. wedding. So that was cool. Wow, that is cool. Yeah. Have you from the ten years because that you've been playing with the Sultanas? Have you got any stories? Because Sam Parry told a ripper. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it. Did you listen to that podcast? Yeah, well, that's what I, I couldn't stop laughing about the gig we did on the island. Yes, where yeah. Have you got uh, any other stories that are similar to that that um, that we could share before we wind up? Ah, uh, with the Sultanas. Uh, oh, with anyone really. Um. Oh, gee, man, I've got to think about this now. I think I was thinking about this on the car on the way down. I've played yeah. a lot of different bands. Yeah. Um. The shivers. Because I was checking out your YouTube channel today, yeah. and I, I had a look at. It looks like a um, a solo. It was. It was. It's. It's credited as Brett Glover. Yeah. Uh, waiting for the train. Yeah, that's right. It's like a acoustic pop song. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 um, when was that? Was that a few years ago? Oh well, man, I, I, I was making that album on and off over about six, maybe seven years. Yeah, right. In a mate's studio, Me Tongue, uh, uh, Jeff Cross, who was in the Uncles with me as well. So he was Uncle Jeff. Mm. Um, and finally, when I yeah got that finished after six, seven years, it was just a mammoth effort of. You know, I was I was having kids at the time as well. I've got yeah. three kids, so it was in between all that. It was it was rough, man. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was I was right. doing ABC radio in the morning, doing the breakfast show. Really? And teaching all day. Wow. And then doing after school lessons most nights. Uh, uh playing in bands, rehearsals, whatnot, and then travelling down to Meetung, which is a good hour, fifteen minutes from my house. Yeah. Getting into the studio and then doing that till two, three o'clock in the morning. Far and out. then coming home and then doing it all again. It was it was big times. I was I was back at uni at that stage because I, I didn't pass my my music uh, degree the first time around really i did a couple of years of that and then i got heavily into radio with troy kinney yes and we were uh, we were chasing a career in that so yeah. I, I thought that was the way so it, him and i were both delivering fridges around melbourne for a retrovision in right. a store in south melbourne and doing radio of a of an afternoon doing a drive time radio show on a station called kicks fm mm-hmm. and then we went to triple m for a time and um by the end of that i'd I'd had a gut full of being in Melbourne, a gut full of the traffic and wow, and uh, everything was expensive. All the money I was earning was going straight into rent and then the housing boom hit. Ah, yes. I thought, well, I can get a one-bedroom flat in Kilmaine, um, sorry, in St Kilda, completely different place. St Kilda, I remember it was, it's cheap now, but it, I remember it was $300,000 for a one-bedroom flat right near Ackland Street. Yeah. Or I could go back to sale and get an acre block yeah. with a little house and a huge, huge block for... A hundred. Exactly. Like, oh, look, let's go home. We'll pay off the house. Yeah. Take a couple of years, then we'll get back to Melbourne. Yeah. That was 16 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in sale. Happily, though, the kids love it there. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're 10, 8, and 6 now. They're all in primary school. Far out. Lying off high school now. And uh, yeah, I made that album. I never got to travel or do anything with it. I sort of made it. That was an accomplishment in itself. Get it done. You had to scratch that itch. Yeah, and did a big launch, at which, you know, never happens in Seoul. All the, all the launches are always in Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. I thought, no, nah, well, what's the point of that? All my friends are here. Let's just do it here. If I yeah, could nice. do it in Melbourne, but everyone will just have to come down to Melbourne, Melbourne and then go it. back home to Seoul. Yeah, yeah. So we did it there, and it was great. 
and it was a great experience and I always thought I'd travel with it, but I, I just haven't. Yeah, right. Just this morning, actually, I just started looking at Suki Lounge and a few places to book for next April, just yeah. to try and... Because I've got a band and we play the songs and we do them well. We just never... I've got like 600 CDs under my bed. Yeah, we all do, man. Yeah. <laughs> We've got yeah. vinyls as well, just yeah. sitting over there, man. Oh, I didn't do vinyls. Yeah. I, I would, love, would have loved to. And I, I love the album. I put it on every now and then and have a listen to it. Yeah, why It's good not? when time passes. And you can show your f- kids as well. Yeah. Look what Dad did. Yeah. It's a cool thing, man. They know the songs. We don't, don't, I don't listen to it all the time, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> We're listening to Dad's yeah. music again. <laughs> oh, Dad, not again. Hey. Oh, listen to Waiting for the Train, man. Yeah. Sing the chorus or you're out in the trampoline with the plastic bags. <laughs> so it's oh, great. It's I, I would love nothing more than to be recording. Yeah. And, and doing more gigs, playing my own music and being creative with friends. Yeah. But through teaching kids and a lot of other things, I'm involved with a, um, a venue. It's uh, an inside called Live at the Bundy. Yeah, I've seen that on the book face. Yeah. You're getting a lot of really big acts coming yeah, through Yeah, look, there, it, that's been a little old hall. I really wanted to do it at the Kilmany Hall because that's where my heart lied, mm. lay. But uh, my friend Paul Versed and we were looking at doing this for a very long time. Then he moved to Bundalagua, which is in between Sale and Mafra. Okay. And we decided, well, that's the hall we've got to do it at. Yes. So the, at the very same time, their hall was about to be closed and demolished by the council. Whoa. And um, that's when we stepped in and said, look, we've got this idea for this project. Why? You've got nothing to lose. Let's sure. give it a go. Well, yeah. the hall in the last five years, it's from the new roof down to the new stumps, all new kitchen, new bathrooms. Everything's done on the hall now. Wow. We're getting these massively popular acts into yeah. play. Um, and it's all about the sound. Paul um, and a guy called John Burnett. John Burnett has uh, been building amplifiers, calls himself Leonard Audio, since mm. the 60s. Um, he's always been based in Sydney, but we've been talking to him for the last 15 odd years mm. about what we wanted to do in this project. And he ended up coming down quite a bit and yeah. sharing his experiences and how to make this stuff. Um, then he hooked up with one of the, the birds on the hall committee. Of course he did. So now he lives in Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> so we got him. So we're, we're building the... Um, when I say where Paul's doing this, Paul and John are building the Leonard Audio speakers. They yeah. are the clearest sounding speaker I've ever heard. Every, every gig I go to now. Um, Just sounds amazing. Oh, well, oh, when, I, when I go to other venues, oh. no matter how big and, you know, well respected they are, I'm just going in and going, yeah, this is good, but man, it, uh, we're spoiled. Very We've got spoiled. this little hall in the middle of a cow paddock. Yeah. And we are having the best sound. We've fully treated the whole room. Yeah. Um, we just got a new... Um, desk. Paul doesn't want me talking about all this stuff. <laughs> it's pretty, it looks great, it's pretty man. expensive. But I saw an act um, on the on the stream a few months ago that played their 1920. Yeah. Like a blues um, party band, I would call them, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, closest thing to punk the blues get. They were full yeah. of beans, those guys. Oh, Kane is out of control. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. quite the front man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a Sunday afternoon gig. Yeah. And um, they toned down the language because we, we got heaps of kids in there as well. Yes. Um. And they get loose. Oh, man, they got loose. It was so good. Yeah, oh, that's good. It, I don't know how long they played for, but it, it seemed like 10 minutes. And you have Jack Jones as well? Yeah, so Jack is from um, from Traralgon, mm. and um, he's actually been on and off living back in our area for the last few months. Yes. Um, catching up with family and whatnot, because he was born in New York. Mm. He's been spending a lot of time in New York, and he's a he's a wanted music musician around the world. Yes. So it's really been great to reconnect with him over the last few months, mm. and um, yeah, he's doing a gig at our venue 
on um, uh, I don't know what date it is in April. But it's coming up. Yeah, he's he's been to the hall already to to see other gigs there. Yeah, he's a local guy, so it's that's been great. I even went to the Sydney Opera House last week. He was in, involved in a um, show called All You Need Is Love. They had a f- full orchestra. Ray yes. Thistlethwaite was also singing, and Jack uh, came out at one stage and he was just telling a story about, oh, I'm, look, I'm from a small country town in regional Victoria yeah. called Cheralgon, and my parents were there and they've gone, yay! <laughs> and then he's gone. Yeah, and I know a few of you are out there tonight. Breddy. <laughs> I burst into tears. That's fantastic. <laughs> full or- full orchestra, the full fully packed uh, Sydney Opera House. Breddy gets a call out. <laughs> Mum's so proud of a boy. He's so good at that, isn't he? Yeah, oh yeah. Because I remember going to see him play at the Evelyn with his band Erwin Thomas yep. back circa 2005. Yes. That's when I met him through Brett Wood. And when when I would go and see him, he would he would kind of stare at you a little bit. Yeah. And then he'd, he'd go, hey Dave. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Just in between the song. Yeah. And just give you a little warm, fuzzy feeling. He remembers everyone's name. Yeah, man. He's out of control. He just loves people. Yeah, he's a good bloke. And he's genuine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've, I've found over the years with, with playing and being involved with musicians and running a venue um, like Live at the Bundy and also hosting Live at Spectrum. We haven't even spoken about this. I'm so sorry. I could speak for hours. You know. No, I would like you to touch on that before we finish <laughs> because, yeah, we are winding up. We are we're coming yeah. up to the, the, the golden hour. But I am finding that the really great musicians are genuinely really nice, wonderful people. Yeah. And the ones who are a little bit mediocre, mm. maybe didn't try as hard, Seem to be the nasty ones. Yeah, right. That are always really demanding. Yeah, and uh, don't want to know you at all. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, just want to get the job and get the hell out. You know. Right. Yeah. I've always found that the, I think there's something about your personality. I think you have to um, be outward looking, and there's got to be no ego mm. for you to be able to um, become a better musician. That's it. Man. I don't know what it is. Yeah. About that, you've got to be able to um, not be. Um, uh, diverted by thoughts of your own grandeur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To steal from Star Wars universe. Yeah. But I've always found, yeah. And so, because Live at Bundy is a uh, concert performance venue, mm. but Live at Spectrum is a TV... <laughs> TV show. Um, ...show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, so... Tell us about the TV show. So there's a fellow called Brett Tippett, who's from Tarragon, mm-hmm. who's been in the uh, in the in the industry that, that working for television, yes, for, for many years, and in theatre industry as well. And he's got a studio at home. Um, it's it's quite big, uh, very well equipped studio. And he just had this idea three years ago now that he wanted to make a TV show from scratch. Wow, you know, which you think is ridiculous. We're in regional Victoria. We've got no idea what we're doing. Yeah, because you're the host, aren't you? Yeah. So yeah. Um, originally he, he gave me a message, said, oh, you know, Gloves, I want to do this TV show. Have you got any ideas of someone who could host it? Mm. So I texted him back saying, oh, look, this guy, this guy, this guy, this girl, whatever, they, these mm. guys, guys and girls would be great at hosting the show. I look into them. And then um, I got off the phone and I thought, bullshit, I want to do it. Why, <laughs> yeah. why am I? St-? Anyway, so I've, I've sent this message straight back to him and said, no, I, I wrote, these are my, I think, uh, exact words were, get fucked, I want to do it, I was fucking born for this. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, yeah, no worries. So we had a go. So we, we put this on the air three seasons ago. Yes. Um, what we do is we stream it live to the internet when we do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two bands per episodes. Yes. We have a couple of stories 
Um, we have a lot of banter and mucking around. We have a live studio audience of 16 people because that's all we can fit in there. Oh, yeah. And we do it the first Sunday of every month live to the internet. Mm. Um, that is then packaged and broadcast, rebroadcast through Foxtel's Aurora Channel, through Channel 31, Channel 41 in Adelaide yeah. as well. And we're forever working on trying to get it onto other stations as well. That's something we're still working on. Yeah. Uh, for the last three seasons, uh, we've done it off the smell of an oily rag. Brett Tippett is prob- probably... Almost broken his own bank doing the show. I yeah. don't know how much he's dropped on it. I don't want to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this season, we finished up the third season um, and we got a, a, a grant through oh, Pick My Project. Fantastic. Of $85,000. So oh, that's amazing. We are just chomping at the bit yeah, for this season now to get underway. We, season four. Season four's on, man. The last show of every... Um, Series we do ten episodes or eight eight so it was one season it was ten we well we'd never do that again it was too much um, at the end we do our last episode at one of the big theaters where mm-hmm. we can seat like three hundred to five hundred people yeah and um and uh, it's just a huge effort Brett's got this team together that works so well and they're you know we all do it for no coin or money or it's just for the love of our music industry because you know that in the last. 20 years you've watched things go a little bit downhill the gigs yeah. aren't there the venues are closing yeah there's no you can't do it full time anymore that's for sure no um and we didn't want to see it completely die so we thought well this is we've got this skill set let's use it mm. for for uh, for the for the music industry in our community because it's not just about music it's about promoting creative thought yeah right which is needed in every community to yeah. solve problems yeah yeah which are always going to come up and if you've got a whole heap of um Stormtroopers, <laughs> not enough Darth Vader's. Yeah, you're stuffed. Yeah, that's right. So arts is that's what arts is for us. So we're looking after the the music side of arts, and we're just promoting the hell out of it. It's great, and man. I think we're the only ones in the world that are doing a live music show at the mm, minute. Mm. It's, it's streamed on the internet. Definitely, definitely in Australia. Yeah, but we can't find anything the anyone in the world that's doing a similar sort of thing. The that's production's cool. really high end. Yeah, it looks slick. And it's amazing, after the first season when we had eight episodes and um, 17 different bands on, we thought, well, that's Gippsland covered, you know, we can't just keep doing Gippsland, we're going to have to go outside, surely there's no one left. Yeah. Second season comes, third season comes, now we're in the fourth season. Yeah. The list of musos that I desperately want to have on that show gets bigger and bigger and bigger, no matter how many people have been on the show. That's it, right. It is amazing, when you open your eyes to it, it's amazing the amount of dedicated talent people talented people that are in your close vicinity yeah man. and you just don't realize i think sometimes we yeah. get lost in our own worlds and oh, i know we're all bu- i know is- we're all busy no well, that's it and yeah. I'm, i've been finding that with this podcast is just reaching out to people yeah you know um just on the facebook or whatever i'm like oh this person won't want to be in the show and like and then i'll be surprised they'll just message me back like almost straight away yeah yeah, Dave, yeah I'll come. i've heard yeah. the podcast i'll come on I'm yeah like, well i loved I, you've I, heard the podcast yeah, yes what? yeah well, that's what i messaged you and i said cuz you messaged yeah. me originally and said oh yeah. sam did the story about the the uh, millennium falcon i yeah. said yeah I've, I've heard i heard it like four times all the way through <laughs> and i've messaged all my friends they'd listen to that and yeah, he, he yeah. hangs shit on a few guys in the sultanas and i sent it straight to them said listen to this that's you know great. you that's guys great. need to dress better yeah. and, and and troy <laughs> oh, Marley, really? yeah, oh, yeah uh, we love we uh, 
you've got to have a sense of humour, don't you? And Most we love definitely. taking the piss out of each other, especially on stage. Yeah, you yeah. know, we've got Anthony who plays guitar. He's um, he just oozes sen- sensuality. Mm. Never seen him kiss anyone. You know? <laughs> Never had a girlfriend. <laughs> Ten years. <laughs> What's going on, Anthony? No, no, he's strange. not. He's, no, I'm not. I didn't say or do anything. I don't know where you're going there. Yeah, but yeah, we just love poking fun at anything yeah, we can. Yeah. Like Louis, short statured uh, little Italian fella. Yeah, and he doesn't move when he plays. <laughs> He's, At all. He's give it to him. There was one time he, he, he did a corner smile, and that was the most excited. And I actually said, Louis, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that, and I love hearing Troy Mar when you interviewed him. And, I've, and yeah. I'll, I'll probably reconnect with the guys again over these podcasts. Oh, it's a great thing, man. So, you yeah. know, you've got to keep putting these things out there and yeah, remind man, people how many people actually care about each other. Like, yeah. you, you, like you know, I think about Dave Sirianni, the, the guy who... Loved my Millennium Falcon that I made. Yes. You know, that's the way we'll always be connected through that. Always. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's amazing how many people you're connected to and how many people you care about. And it's good to be reminded of it. Yeah, yeah man. Because you get lost in your day to day grind. Your own little thing. Yeah, and, man. And, you know, and it's important that people stay connected. Yeah. Because you know, some people could get in the dark times. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, well, especially, especially in this industry, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's well, full you, on. when you're so caring people and you're thinking outwardly all the time yeah yeah <clears throat> it's easy to, to forget that people care about you that's right man. so what you're doing is fantastic um, it's i'm excited us about again. it and um excited about all the initiatives that you're you're doing as well um and if people do want to um follow the journey um of brett glover where is the best place um to do so obviously uh, live at spectrum has a, a facebook is that how it's done, or is it all uh, on Live YouTube? at Spectrum has, a, has its own page, liveatspectrum.com.au. Sweet, so we can and, go uh, there. You can get on there and yeah, check out the show at any stage. You can watch any episode. Excellent. Uh, live at the Bundy's always functioning. If you've got a band, you want to come to a Unreal Regional venue. Yep. Uh, we, we generally, we're a ticketed venue. Yep. It's no bar there or anything like that. Yep. So we have to sell tickets to make it happen. Yes. Um, always looking for uh, new bands. And uh, what else am I doing? I'm teaching and... Uh, Playing with the Sultanas, Sultana are on Facebook. So if you, you get, want to book a, a great funk band for oh your wedding, man, yeah. hit up the Sultanas. Yeah, and you won't be disappointed. We don't play in Melbourne enough. Yeah, yeah. get them down there. We talk guys. about it all the time. We need a website or something. Ten years, and we just we we play as we play as often as we want to be playing anyway. Well, that's we're, all right. We're happy about that. Yeah, and that's I, dude. You've got a, you're wearing a lot of hats, so yeah. I don't <laughs> think it's a big deal that you're not playing that often. Oh, Brett, thank you so much for being a guest on the Art of Touring. And uh, like I said, if if anyone wants to um, get in contact with Brett, follow him um, on those social channels, and uh, we'll see you another time, my friend. Yeah, thanks for the free uh, psych session. Look at me on the couch here. You're welcome, it's my friend. It's been fantastic, yeah. And I could do this uh, for episodes on episodes on episodes. Yeah, well, hey, look, I've often thought about having people back, so you never know. <laughs> Thanks, mate. See you, brother. Ciao. See ya. See ya. And that's a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 43, all done. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, 
Give the podcast a share on social media. Why don't you use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with me, then please do so. You can email me directly at Art of Touring Podcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. If you're a touring muser or a performer or a wrestler, just hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Or just slide into the old DMs there on uh, Instagram at Art of Touring Podcast. You can listen to Art of Touring on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes. If you have enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a short review. And stick around next week for another episode. I release these episodes every week for free on a Tuesday, sometimes in the morning on a Tuesday, sometimes late at night, but always I make that deadline Tuesdays at some point. You will get your fix of Art of Touring, I promise. So uh, please come on back next week for another brand new, fresh episode with a fresh new guest. Now let's get into some plugs. The theme music for The Art of Touring is a song called Start a Fire by The Pass Out, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole debut album by The Pass Out on all digital platforms if you'd like to grab a physical copy on either CD or glorious coloured vinyl or regular coloured vinyl, go to thepassoutband.bandcamp.com where you can get all our merchandise including t-shirts, stickers, posters and even skateboards. If you'd like to see me play live, I'm doing an acoustic covers show on Friday the 15th of February at the Sporting Globe in Plenty Valley from 8 till 11pm. Uh, I'm going to be pretty tired because I've got school camp on Thursday and Friday as well. So I'm going to be coming home um, on Friday afternoon, having a bit of a nana nap and then get a Red Bull in me. Not a paid spot there by Red Bull, but I will be drinking one, maybe even a Jaeger to get myself on stage to play those covers for you. So come on down. Also, the pass outs are reforming to appear at this year's Whittlesea Community Festival on Barry Road in Thomastown on the main stage on Sunday the 17th of March. Entry to the festival is free and stick around after our gig because there is fireworks to enjoy for the whole family. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I do have a few shout-outs. Shout-outs as always to Chris Wall. Man, his artwork is insane. Seriously. He designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. I say it every week. I don't know if anyone's done it, but if you haven't done it, seriously, get your phone out, get on Instagram, go at Mr. Wall, W-A-H-L, and have a look at his artwork. It will blow your mind. Big thanks to my guest this week, Mr. Brett Glover. Be sure to follow all of his social channels for Live at Spectrum and Live at the Bundy. He's doing some really fantastic stuff there in the Gippsland area, so please um, follow those channels. And if you are in that area, Go along to a show. And um, you can also check out his funk function band, The Sultanas. And maybe one day we'll see that Brett Glover band and album playing gigs around town. You never know. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Doing With Us Is Now. Go, oh, oh, oh. And remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Wonka's Fizzy Lifting Drink. But please be aware, if you do wander away from the group and consume fizzy lifting drink without consent, you may need to pay for the ceiling to be washed and sterilised. So, I've got a mate who's an accountant, and what he does, because you never know what...
what's going to be cool in 30 years time to kids <laughs> so every every um toy he buys for his kids yeah he always buys two always always he's Jeez. for the last five six years he's bought two so he'll buy one and that's the one they play with the other one goes in the shed <laughs> and he's got a shed just full of toys that have not been opened from um how many years going back are we are we talking so he's been doing that for the last six seven years maybe that's pretty good yeah so he wants to do that for at least the next 10 that he reckons that's going to be his retirement <laughs> nest egg <laughs> he's going to like 30 years time all his kids friends when they're like 30 40 he's they're going oh, to oh remember the, the big, ben yeah, 10 yeah. oh remember yeah and they'll be what gagging for it because you think about like uh, I remember going to Target and leaving and, and when the Empire Strikes Back toys were all there. Yeah. And always forever asking mum every single time, well, I want a Han Solo, I want a yeah, C-3PO, yeah, yeah. I want a Boba Fett, you know? And she'd be like, no, you know, that would be ridiculous. We've got to buy... Groceries. Groceries and you've got to get your pixie photos done and stuff like that. Yeah. So <laughs> she's just, she's kicking herself now. Yeah. Like we were so wise at the age of two. <laughs> she should have listened to us. She should have listened to him. Who knew that yeah. was the... Uh, that was the bubble. Those Boba Fett's unopened are like oh, yeah, they're silly expensive. 60, 70 grand, or like we, we're talking. Oh money. no, they're not that expensive. I think an unopened Boba Fett is in around twenty thousand dollars. But you can get the ones. So it's achievable. You can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you really knuckled down, you could get it. But you would have to sacrifice a lot. And look, at think of all the other things you could do with $20,000. <laughs> money comes and goes. It all adds up. You spend, well, it, you spend it all on, all on crap. Well, that's right. Like, I, I recently just bought a Ghostbusters firehouse on eBay for 50 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a steal. I just, because yeah. I've been looking at them for a few months, you yeah. know, and they're always 200 300 yeah, $500. Yeah. This one doesn't come with a box, just the firehouse by yeah. itself. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Bought it. And then I didn't, I was just so excited. I didn't realize it is literally just a firehouse. I didn't know that it, it came with the containment unit, the fire pole, the, the doors. Like yeah. my one I've bought, it's got nothing. It's literally just the shell. Was those, they were made in the late 80s, those toys. Yeah, like the firehouse would have come out in like 87, 88, something like that. There you go. I can't yeah. remember Ghostbusters toys coming out when that movie came out. I oh, know, but these are all from the cartoon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that other one? It was called The Real Ghostbusters. That's the cartoon. Well, there was the there was the Ghostbusters. The Real Ghostbusters. But, yeah, but they had to call themselves The Real Ghostbusters because there was already a cartoon called Ghostbusters. Was the Ghostbusters based on the movie? Yeah. But The Real Ghostbusters was based on a TV show called no. The Real... No, no, there no, was. no, no, you're losing it, Brett. No, no, no. <laughs> there was a TV show. I only, I only found this out recently. Yeah. There was a TV show in, like... Oh, really early 80s, maybe even late 70s. Yeah. And they were called... Oh, it's a I cartoon. Think, it's no, called- it was a TV show. Oh, okay. Well, there was, was also a cartoon called Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I re- but can you remember the real Ghostbusters as well? That, that was- <laughs> <laughs> you keep calling oh, it I know. Because it went the real Ghostbusters TV show, then the Ghostbusters movie, and then the real Ghostbusters cartoon came out. Oh, and God. then the Ghostbusters cartoon came out. Oh, shit. I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, it's like Inception. I think we'll have to Google it, mate. You have to. And figure that out. It's amazing. Because oh, from my memory was, the movie came out called Ghostbusters, and then the cartoon came out, and they had been they called it the real Ghostbusters, and I never really understood why they did that. And then on Channel 2, there was this other cartoon called Ghostbusters, and it had like a flying car with a monkey 
and a bloke. Yeah, that. Yeah, well, there was a TV show with yeah. all them in it. So live action TV live show. Live action TV show from the late seventies oh, called Ghostbusters. No shit. They had the monkey and the old car. And then there was a cartoon based on that TV show. Yes. Oh, now that's the real I know Ghostbusters. <laughs> And it's horrible. We got there. And I remember being as a kid, it was on ABC in the morning before mm. we went to school. And it was called the Real Ghostbusters cartoons coming out on ABC. Wow, we were so excited. And then yeah. this shit came on. <laughs> You're like, where's Channel 10 when you need where's it? Where's Slimo? Want... What's this monkey? It's... <laughs> <laughs> what a rip off. Fantastic. <laughs>